All right, good morning, church. Looks like we finally got summer out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we have Sunday school today? Anyone else? Oh, James is doing it? Okay. So if there's any grade two and under uh, kids here, then uh, James will be doing Sunday school. I think he's head to the back. And happy birthday to Brian. Birthday today. Uh, and here's Nolan's birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday to you guys. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, been uh, working through a series through the book of Ephesians. And um, we are in uh, chapter 4 today. Last week we talked in uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4 about anger. We looked at uh, both uh, godly anger and sinful anger. We talked about how to deal with anger in our lives. And in that text last week, uh, we read this verse in, uh, in verse 27. We read this last week. It says, do not give the devil a foothold. And uh, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, not giving the devil a foothold in, in our lives. And this was spoken to, to Christians uh, this is not a word spoken to, uh, you know, those who aren't following Jesus. This is spoken to us who are followers of Jesus. That, that Paul says that we, as those who are children of God even, we, that we are to be careful that we do not give the devil a foothold. And uh, usually when we talk on the subject of spiritual warfare or Satan and demons, I, I first need to remind us that we need to, again, uh, take off our Western glasses, because just by the fact that we are kind of born in this Western world, uh, that we tend, when we face a struggle in our life, or there's a struggle in our marriage, or things aren't going well at work, or, you know, we're not feeling healthy, that we tend to primarily look to answers in the natural realm. That we tend, to, because we are born in this Western world, to dismiss the supernatural. And so if there's something going on in our marriage... Uh, we will immediately, there's got to be something wrong. Maybe it's probably her fault or his fault. We look to something natural, and sometimes we fail because of our Western glasses to look at the supernatural. There are times when our body isn't healthy, that uh, just in the Western world, we tend to always look to naturalistic answers, and, and it's good to look to doctors and those kinds of things, but sometimes the scripture tells us it may be a supernatural reason. Uh, sometimes our day is going bad, not because of your mean boss. Sometimes it's because of the work of the supernatural, the work of Satan and demons. And so as we enter this, we need to be careful that we take off our Western glasses and put on a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview both sees the naturalistic and the supernaturalistic as, as valid. And so when we face, as believers, health difficulties, we go to the doctor, yes, but we also go to prayer. Uh, when things are not going well in marriage, we may see a marriage counselor, but we also go to prayer. I mean, we have to deal with both as Christians. Uh, Rich Nathan, his book, uh, Empowered Evangelicals, said this, According to most Western evangelicals, reality, with a capital R, means the reality we can see, touch, and smell. 
All of our questions and doubts tend to be resolved in favor of a naturalistic interpretation over a supernatural interpretation of life events. Indeed, it takes a very conscious effort for Western evangelicals to remove the naturalistic lens and to see what people in other cultures or in the culture of the Bible saw. And so as we talk about do not give the devil a foothold in our text, we need to make sure that we're looking at reality both through the natural and, and the supernatural. This is such a reality that Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. And by the way, we're just going to kind of touch on this today because when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, half of the chapter is on this whole topic of spiritual warfare. When we get there, we'll talk about it more. But the supernatural is such a part of our lives, and this is a challenge to us living in this Western world. It is such a challenge to our lives that Paul says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And we, we kind of think every struggle is. This is the way we look at life here in the Western world. But Paul says, but our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, not every situation you are in it has a naturalistic answer. Sometimes it does, but not always. There is a real war going on. There are uh, Satan and demons. That's a reality. Jesus actually told us in the model prayer. In the very model prayer, he said, pray for our, our daily bread. It's a model of how we pray every day. In that daily prayer, he actually teaches us that we're to pray that God would deliver us from the evil one. And if we weren't facing some spiritual battle, if the supernatural wasn't a real issue in our lives, why would Jesus, in this very simple prayer, which covers the basics, praise to God, our daily needs, God's will be done, forgiveness, and he says that we have to be praying that we would be protected from the evil. And that's the reality of this world. Even though we cannot see what's going on supernaturally, it definitely affects us every day. And this is very, very real stuff. And so our text again says, do not give the devil a foothold. And uh, I'm just going to do a basic study on this today. We'll do more in Ephesians chapter 6. But, but who is the devil? It says, do not give the devil. He names it in our text. Do not give the devil a foothold. Well, he's not some guy like this, which is often, often pictured. Uh, Satan was actually originally created a, a beautiful angel uh, in heaven. Uh, just as God, uh, when he created all the angels, he created them to assist in his work of, uh, of carrying out this universe. Because God doesn't like to work alone. He's a very relational God. He loves to work through us. He loves to work through angels. But there was a time when uh, Lucifer, which was probably his original name, he was this beautiful angel, where because just as God gave us free will, God also gave the angels free will, and he chose to rebel. And it talks about this in Isaiah. Many people think, uh, scholars think Isaiah is talking about the fall of Satan. It says this, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, and this is why, why he fell from a good angel to an evil angel. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, that he wanted to be God. He wanted to take the throne of God. And because of this, he was cast out. He, he, he turned, turned evil. And Satan is not... Uh, you know, this, this, this being with a kind of good heart that's mostly corrupt, he is actually pure evil. 
there's nothing good about Satan. And so it's not worth trying to make friends with him or, you know, trying to hang out with him because he's got this good side. Or maybe there's this hope that one day, you know, he's going to, you know, surrender to God. I mean, we know the end. Uh, he is evil and he is pure evil throughout Scripture. Jesus said it this way in John 8. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not uphold the truth. Because there is no, not some, there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. We know that God's nature is love. God is love. Satan's nature is, is to lie, is to twist the truth. Because he's a liar and the father of, father of lies. John 10, uh, speaking of Satan, the devil, Lucifer, says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he does. This is what he's about. He is only, this is his mission. If you want to know what the mission uh, of Satan is, it's to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is behind a lot of the evil and a lot of the trouble and a lot of the hardship we see in this world and we see in our lives. Uh, he is pure evil, but the Bible also tells us he can masquerade as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14, it says, says just that, that Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Because he is the father of lies, he, he sometimes will come across as, as being good. It's exactly what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say? I think God is holding out on you. He, he tries to pretend like he's trying to help Adam and Eve, but in the reality, he is only about killing, stealing, and destroying, and he is the father of lies. And Satan is not acting alone, Satan, because he's an angel. Uh, and the route can only be at one place at one time. Uh, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. Uh, just like every angel, he can only be in one spot at one time. And, and so often when we feel we are being plagued with evil, it's probably not Satan himself. Satan is probably off bothering the, the, the guys who are really doing big stuff for the kingdom. Uh, but he has demons, and uh, many scholars believe, not all, but some uh, scholars believe, Revelation 12 speaks of Satan bringing along with him a third of the angels. It says, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars, speaking perhaps of the angels out of the sky, and flung them to the earth. And it's so it may be that a third of all the angels are evil angels, are demons who are working with Satan to kill, steal, and destroy, and to deceive, and to twist the truth, and to do whatever they can to keep people from the fullness of life, to keep people from freedom, to keep people from knowing the goodness of God. Now, the Bible speaks of the power of Satan and demons, just to know what they're able to do, and we could talk a whole lot on it. Again, this is I mean, a lot of verses today, and kind of a summary of, of spiritual warfare in some ways. Uh, but we see that uh, Satan and demons can keep people from seeing the goodness of God. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, The God of this age, which is another name of, of Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They work in a way that, that keeps people from seeing just how good God is. Because God is so good. I mean, he brings so much joy and so much freedom and so much life. Yet sometimes people think that God is like the, this evil and he's the worst thing that ever happened to earth. I mean, it shows you that, that, that sometimes Satan can twist people's view of the goodness of God. Uh, Satan's can accuse. In fact, one of the names of Satan is the, the accuser of our brothers and sisters is his name. Who accuses them, that's us, before our God day and night. 
that uh, he accuses us. And, uh, and, uh, and some, you know, not all the thoughts that you have in your head are your thoughts. I mean, there are three places that our thoughts can come from. They can come from God. The Bible actually says that we have the mind of Christ. A lot of the thoughts that we have are very God thoughts. This is why uh, God, you don't ignore your, sometimes your thoughts are very much the thoughts of Jesus. We have the mind of Christ, Paul said. Some of our thoughts are our own thoughts. We obviously have our own thoughts. And sometimes our thoughts are that of Satan and demons. That they uh, can speak into our mind, especially when it comes to accusation. Uh, I mean, you never talk to yourself like, you know, you, when you're talking to it's your thoughts, you're just like, you know, I kind of suck. But sometimes you have thoughts like, you suck. You're worthless. And often those are Satan accusing when you have thoughts that you're worthless. You, you can't do it. You know, God doesn't have your best some thoughts that you have are that of the enemy. That's why we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. So Satan and demons, they accuse. Uh, they do a lot with tempting us to sin. Paul, speaking to Christians, said this. I was afraid that in some way the tempters, another name of Satan. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might have been in vain. That, that Satan is busy trying to destroy the work of churches as he was in this church. And Paul was saying, I, I was scared that the tempter got in and, and, and got you off track. And, and Satan is busy tempting churches. He's busy tempting you. Because uh, if you can get your focus off God, then it just robs you of, of life. Uh, Satan even tried to tempt Jesus. In Matthew 4, it says the tempter came to him and tried to tempt even Jesus. I mean, he is very good at tempting us because he knows where we're weak. Uh, all of us are weak in different areas. I mean, I might be strong, but you might be weak in that area, and vice versa. He knows we're weak, and he will push us. Because if anything he can do to kill, steal, or destroy, uh, Satan and demons, they will poke at us. They will tempt us. Uh, we see that in the Bible that demons can even control weather. In the book of Job, it says, Suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on Job's family, and, and they died. I mean, this was Satan who controlled the weather. Uh, I mean, Satan sometimes even has the power to do that. It seems in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus, he rebukes the wind and the waves that Satan possibly could have been behind the storm uh, that the disciples were in. And so we see that at times demons control weather. Uh, demons can cause sickness and death. We saw, again, in the case of Job, the storm that, G uh, that Satan caused killed Job's family. Bible talks about how the last enemy to be destroyed is death. We see a lot about uh, demons causing sickness. Again, not every health issue is the result of a demon. Sometimes it's just, it's natural. I mean, we live in a natural world with natural consequences, but we dare not dismiss the supernatural because at times the Bible speaks of supernatural uh, beings behind sickness. Matthew 9 said, when the demon had been cast out, this is when the mute man began to speak. In Matthew chapter 17, that Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. This is a boy who was often having seizures and was falling into the fire, and, and Jesus cast out the demon, and with that, he was healed. In Luke 13, it says Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who uh, was there who had been crippled by a spirit, by a demonic spirit, uh, for 18 years. Again, it's possible that sometimes our health issues that Satan and demons are behind them. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put 
his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. And, praised God. and so it's important that if, that if you are having health issues, that you hit it on all fronts. You go to the doctor, you hit it on the natural front, and you go get prayer. You go get the, the prayer team, you have people around you who can pray for you. The Bible speaks in James chapter 5 that, when, that, that if you're sick, have people pray for you. We don't just want to live in the naturalistic world. We want to live in a biblical world which holds both as, uh, as, as tremendously important and both can be reasons for, for issues going on. We also see that demons can actually do false miracles. And Matthew 24 says false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive. And that's not coming out of their own power. This is the power of, of Satan and demons. Uh, Though we've got to be careful that some people use that verse and they, they just kind of are afraid of all signs and wonders. There's much more in the Bible about good and godly sounds of wonders than bad signs and wonders. I mean, back in Acts chapter 4, the disciples pray, God, would you pour out more signs and wonders? And, and we as Christians should be praying for more signs and wonders because they often demonstrate the reality of God. But we also need to be aware that Satan sometimes can do false signs and wonders, again, because he wants to deceive. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and take people's focuses off Jesus. Signs and wonders are to bring glory to Jesus. They should point people to Jesus. It should be uh, demonstrating the kingdom, but if they're pulling people away from Jesus, then they're perhaps false. And so, uh, Satan and demons do have incredible power. We see that sometimes they can manifest supernatural strength. In Mark 5, it says, when Jesus got out of the, of the boat... A man with an impure spirit, again, he had a demon, came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain. That's how strong he was. For he had often uh, been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the iron in his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And, and, and again, Satan kills, stealing, and destroying, just plaguing this man with all kinds of issues. And again, this is very real stuff. Look, in a lot of places in the world, I mean, this is a reality that they face. And we don't always see it as much as blatantly in this, but I tell you, Satan and demons are at work. And uh, we need to, to be aware of them. Uh, we are living in a war zone. Uh, Ephesians 6, again, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is, I mean, you remember the story of Elisha, when he's surrounded by the army, and his servant begins to freak out, and Elisha prays, God, would you open the eyes of my servant? And his eyes were open, and he sees this, this whole heavenly army around. Guarantee if we could see into the spiritual world, we would see angels, we would see demons, we would see all kinds of things going on. And so uh, we must think that way when we are walking through life. And we don't just live in the natural world. Now, sometimes people can get kind of scared of Satan and demons. I mean, maybe you've been even in a house where there's been weird stuff going on, or you've just had demonic stuff going on in your life. And sometimes we can get intimidated or we can get afraid. Uh, we talk about all those things that Satan and demons can do. Sometimes like, wow, that's a lot of power, and you get afraid. I tell you, if you have Jesus in you, you have absolutely no reason to be intimidated or to be afraid. Uh, there's just, just no reason. Uh, we are God's kids. Uh, we are his children. We're dearly loved. Uh, 1 John 3, 8 said this. And notice this text again, the reality 
of the the world of Satan and demons. The reason the Son of God appeared, we usually say the reason was to deal with our sin. Yeah, he came to do that. But one of the major reasons he actually came was to deal with this battle going on. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So Jesus on the cross, I mean, he, he destroyed the work of the devil. Colossians 2 says this, Christ, he forgave us all our sins. Do you know that today? Do you just feel the forgiveness of God? Do you feel the freedom of Jesus at work in your life? Do you know his forgiveness? If you don't know the forgiveness of Christ just washing over you, just open your heart to him. He has dealt with that on the cross. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And then it says this, having disarmed the powers, and he's talking about Satan and demons, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That Jesus on the cross, he defeated the power of the enemy. And because we're children of God and we are part of his family, we do not need to be intimidated or afraid of Satan at all. In fact, John, uh, 1 John 4, 4 says this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And he's speaking about the spirit of Antichrist, the false prophets. He's speaking about the work of Satan and demons. That we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. And Satan is just an angel. Demons are just angels. We have the, the Holy Spirit of God in us. God is our Abba Father. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is for us, not against us. We do not need to be afraid of Satan and demons. In fact, we see that Jesus gave authority over Satan and demons to the 72. Uh, I believe we have the same authority today as believers. How, I, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Again, it's not literal snakes and scorpions. He's talking about the work of Satan and demons. And to co- overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you. Again, we don't make this our thing. Wow, I have power over Satan and demons. I'm so, this is amazing. No, we, we're amazed at Jesus. That's what it says. Do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But evil spirits submit to the name of Jesus. And because we carry the authority of Jesus, because we're children of Jesus, we do not need to be afraid or intimidated. Uh, I mean, you can walk into a house that is plagued with Satan and demons and there's weird stuff going on and you can carry the authority of Jesus, pray over that house, and it's amazing how just stuff just disappears like that. Uh, we, but, I mean, Satan will do anything to get you afraid. Because if he can get you afraid, he will intimidate you and then you're going to back away. Do not be intimidated by the work of Satan and demons. Uh, Dr. Jack Deere said this, all fear of the devil is a rational fear. Now, we need to be aware that he can deceive. We need to be aware that he kills, steals, and destroys, but we're not afraid of him. We, we just understand who he is. No Christian should ever fear Satan or any demon. The only person a Christian is taught to fear in the New Testament is God himself. That we respect and we honor and we worship God. We do not fear Satan. Because we are children, we have authority and power over the enemy. The only power Satan or demons can have over us is the power we give them. This is the warning in our text. Do not give Satan, the devil, a foothold. The only power he can have over us is if we open a door, we open a foothold for him to grab on in our lives. Now, the English word they chose for this text that uh, interpreters use, 
translators, is the word foothold. And the dictionary kind of definition is this. It's a place where a person's foot can be lodged to support them securely, especially while climbing. Uh, it can be a secure position from which further progress may be made. And it's a, it's a good idea behind a foothold. That we are, live, we are to live smooth lives in the spirit of Jesus. That Satan cannot get a grip anywhere. But when we open up a foothold, it gives a little place where he can grab a hold. Where he can begin making headway. Where he can get a grip on us. He can take a, a foothold. Where he can make further progress in our lives. Uh, the Greek word for this is actually the Greek word topos. Uh, topos, where we get topographic, that kind, of, that kind of word. And it just means a place. And 99% of the times in the Bible, it's actually translated a place. It's in this case, uh, because it can be confusing, it does not give the devil, they put a foothold. But the idea of a place is helpful as well. Because what we do, when we open up our, a door in our lives to Satan and demons, we give him a place in our lives. Uh, we allow him to, to take over territory, if you will. Uh, I think it's helpful, and a lot of people who, uh, who do scholarly work in this area would, would kind of look at it this way. That if you look at our life as a house, any house has a lot of different rooms. Uh, this is your place. This is where you live. This is our life. This is my place. But you can give Satan a place in your life. This is what the text is saying. Do not give the devil a place. That there are times when we uh, can open up a door or a window and allow Satan or demons into a, maybe a specific room of your house. I mean, ideally, we want to be absolutely surrendered. And every single room in our house needs to be surrendered to Jesus uh, we just surrender all this is this is where we're called to live and we must live but sometimes we block an area off to God and we believe a lie we believe one of Satan's truths and the window is cracked open and Satan climbs in now we can never be owned by Satan as Christians I mean we're owned by God but we can give Satan a place and it's possible that the Satan has made made his way into your bedroom your, the rest of your Christian life is surrendered to Jesus, but Satan has a foothold. He has a grip. He has a place. And from there, he can make headway into another room. And so the, the text is saying, do not give Satan a place. Do not give him a foothold. Whether you see that as a grasp on your life, you know, a wrecking ball, you know, you know like the old prisoner tied to a chain. You just have this, this thing that is holding you down, or he's taking over a room in your house. Whatever you kind of see this, the text is, just don't do it. Because we know what Satan does. His very nature is to lie. He is, his only purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so any foothold we have where Satan can gain access to our life is going to result in the loss of freedom, the loss of joy, the loss of peace, the loss of the fruits of the Spirit. It's going to cause you to, to, to just feel like you've been killed, steal, and, and destroyed, that, that kind of thing going on in your life. We can also define a foothold this way. A foothold is when you make an agreement with Satan in darkness. It's like Adam and Eve. They made an agreement with Satan. Yeah, maybe if I do eat this fruit, then I will get have wisdom. They agreed with him, gave Satan a foothold, and it led them into sin. And often this is the way Satan and demons work. They'll try to get you to agree with them. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It'll be, it's okay. You can, you can be, un, you don't have to forgive that person. It's really, they really hurt you. And, and they, they feed you lies. And as soon as you believe them, it's got a foothold. Or you put it this way, a foothold is a place where we have given the spiritual forces of wickedness a right into our lives. Again, they have no right into your life at all because you're a son of God. The only right they can have is the right you give them. It's if you give them a foothold, if you open up the window, you open up the door. 
A foothold is a place where we have given the spiritual force of wickedness a right into our lives to the point where they can come and make us fall into that sin with little or no resistance. When you have a foothold, sometimes it just is easier and easier and easier. You just fall into that sin because Satan has a hold. He's gotten a hold of that one room in your house or that area in, in your life. Now, there's some common reasons for demonic footholds. I mean, anything that's not of God will cause a foothold, but there's some more common reasons we see in the scriptures. For instance, long-term sin. This is the very context of this verse. Do not give the devil a foothold. is in the context of, of things that, that are not pleasing to God. And so it mentions putting off falsehood, lying. Last week we talked about do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Because it can give Satan a foothold. We talked about dealing with our anger last week. We've got to deal with it quickly. We may not be able to fix the situation, but we can fix our hearts. Do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, you must steal no longer. And it goes on to talk about get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. It talks about forgiving each other in this context, that if you're continually engaging in the sin, surely it's going to give a foothold to Satan. It mentions forgiving each other here. This is uh, one of the most common that many people find. And that is unforgiveness and hatred. And unforgiveness and hatred can be one of the quickest ways for Satan to get a foothold in your life. And when we see demonic work in somebody, this is usually one of the first areas that, that we will go. Is there someone you have not forgiven? Is there someone you have hatred toward? I mean, Jesus is very serious about this. If you don't forgive others, you yourself will not be forgiven. That's how serious it is. And Satan will just try to get in there, and he'll get a foothold through unforgiveness. Paul even talked about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And then he says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And one of his schemes is to get you to a place where you're not forgiving somebody, where you're, you have hatred towards somebody. And if there's any of that in your heart, Satan will have a foothold in there, and it's only going to lead to, to just to destruction, a lack of freedom, and it needs to be dealt with. Uh, pride can be another reason for a foothold. Again, pride was the very reason Satan fell from heaven. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. There is such devastation when there's pride in our hearts. Satan will work at trying to get me to be prideful because it'll destroy this church. He'll try to get you to be prideful because it'll destroy your marriage. I mean, pride just leads to destruction. And he really works to try to push us to a place of pride where we think we're better, where we think we know better where we've got to prove that we're right and everybody else is wrong and we're the super Christian. I mean, if he can get pride working into our lives, it is a definite foothold. We are called to walk humbly. Uh, fear is another big one, uh, especially because if Satan get, can get you afraid of him, you're just automatically in trouble. Uh, we have authority over Satan and demons, but if he can make you afraid of him, all of a sudden you're going to like, well, I better not like, engage in this. I better back away. I better not rebuke him because you know, he's going to get me. He's already got you if you're afraid. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, and he will try to get you to think that God is an angry God who just wants to punish you and beat you up. He will try to get you to think, just to cause you to live in fear. And if you feel that you're plagued with fear and you just can't seem to get rid of it, it is very possible that there is a foothold 
in, in your life. Sexual sin, uh, occult, witch, witchcraft, or other ways that, that you give uh, Satan a foothold in your life, and there's lots of other ways, but those are just some of them. Now, what are some possible indicators of demonic footholds? You're like, well, do I have a foothold in my life or not? I mean, uh, doctor, he's actually got a double PhD, he's a super smart guy, David Appleby, he's done a lot of work in this area. He gives a list of possible, these aren't like 100, but these are possible indicators of demonic footholds in our lives. Number one, feelings of shame or guilt that don't yield to God's forgiveness. And you've gone and said, God, you know, I trust that verse that I am completely forgiven. And you just feel these, these words of guilt and condemnation that just aren't going away. It's a good possible sign that there is a foothold in your life. Accusatory voices in the mind that won't stop. Mental torment. You are worthless. You suck. You can't do it. I mean, just especially if it's you. Because we don't talk to ourselves. We say, I. If it's like you, that's, that's often Satan speaking into our mind. Uh, ungodly coping mechanisms that just make the situation worse. I mean, you're feeling isolated and alone. And, and you just, you just, you just start trying to stay away from people as much as you can. It just makes it worse. And Satan will often try to isolate us. So he can assassinate us. We are never called to live in isolation. Uh, we need the family of God around us. We need people around us. Uh, difficulty making connections with people and with God. Uh, sometimes you hear stories of people, maybe a Christian who's act, like used the Ouija board or something. They'll just have a tremendous, just this, it seems like there's this block between them and God. And there's, there's a foothold. Uh, the occult witchcraft, again, uh, can get in the way. Uh, reoccurring nightmares, thoughts that disrupt sleep. I think I've told the story before. I mean, Marie, uh, when we first became Christians, had terrible nightmares. Uh, just every night, super scary, demonic nightmares. And until she began to pray, God, what is causing uh, these nightmares? And in another dream, uh, God showed Marie that it was a crystal that we had in our house. And not all crystals are bad. I mean, God created crystals, but it probably maybe this one was maybe used for a cult or witchcraft or something. But as soon as we got rid of that crystal, the nightmares went away forever. Uh, again, Satan can get a foothold and cause issues in our lives. Another uh, possible indicator is uh, sins that don't yield to traditional spiritual disciplines like meditation, prayer, and fasting. You have a sin and you're struggling and you're praying and you're fasting and you're worshiping and it just seems to have a grip on you. It's a possible indication, a probably good indication, that Satan has a foothold and it needs to be dealt with in, in further, further way. Uh, inability to experience the love, peace, joy the Holy Spirit produces, the fruit of the Spirit, are these things. If you don't feel free, you don't feel love, you don't feel joy, you don't feel peace, you don't feel patience, and it's just, it's just never there, it's a good chance that Satan is doing his work of kill, stealing, and destroying. A sense that your life is not your own and something else is working against you, trying to destroy you and all that you and God hold dear. That there's this, You just feel there's something, this dark cloud of your life just poking at you and you just, you just can't seem to get under this, this evil that seems to be walking. It's a good chance there may be a foothold in your life. Uh, inability to change any of the above no matter how much you want to or how hard you try. You've done everything you can on your own strength. You've prayed, you've worshipped, you've read the Bible, you've done everything. It just seems to be plaguing you. And this is where you need to get prayer. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, personal or family problems that don't respond to therapy. You've done everything in the natural realm. You've gone to counseling, you've read every book, and you've just done, you've hit, again, we do that in the natural, this Western world, we hit everything with the natural realm, and nothing seems to be working. 
there's a whole other world out there. Maybe it's the darkness spiritual forces at work, and you need to hit on that end. Uh, maybe physical or psychological problems that don't respond to, to medication. You've gone to the doctor, and you've, you've done it, and they just seem to just not going away. Man, I would be getting prayer. I'd be exploring the idea that maybe Satan has, has got a foothold or something demonic is going on there. Maybe not, but you should hit it on all fronts. That's, that's what we should be doing as, as Christians. All right, now we're going to finish with this. So how do you deal with a demonic foothold? Maybe you looked at that list, you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's going on. It's quite simple. Uh, James 4, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Again, Satan and demons have no right over you as a Christian. It's only that which we have allowed in. And it means that we need to take back, you know, what God owns us. And we need to resist him. And it says that he will actually flee from us. And most of the times when it comes to simple things, it's, it's going to be this kind of process. And, and in fact, if you come to, to uh, Tradewinds Prayer Ministry, this will probably be part of the process that you will go through. And the first is to renounce any agreement you have with demons and darkness. Because often footholds begin with you agreeing with Satan and demons. And so some good questions to ask are, uh, what lie are you believing? Or what agreement have you made with darkness? And so let's say you're struggling with overwhelming anxiety and worry, and it's just, it seems to be controlling your life, to ask yourself, have, am I, uh, what lie am I believing? Is there any kind of agreement I've made with, 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 with darkness? And, uh, and God will show it to you. And it may be that, you know, I, I believe that God's not all-powerful. That's the lie I'm believing that. Or maybe he's not there for me. And therefore, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe not God's fully in control, and therefore i got to take control, and you're believing some sort of lie that God's not there for you, or God's not powerful, or He doesn't love you, and you're believing that lie. And that's why you're freaking out. Uh, I mean, whatever, whatever the issue, what lie are you believing? What agreement have you made with darkness? And then you want to renounce the lie. I renounce the lie that I'm believing that you're not in control. And, uh, and I just break all agreement with darkness, you just break agreement with every lie you are uh, you're believing. And then you want to receive the truth of Jesus and his word. John 8 says, if you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples. This is what a disciple is. It's someone who follows the teaching of Jesus. And you will know the truth. And, that says, and the truth will set you free. Lies don't set you free. They just cause bondage. They give Satan footholds. The truth sets you free. We are to, to, to live by the truth of God. We don't live by lies of Satan. We live by the truth of the word of God. So again, if you're struggling with, again, anxiety and fear, and the lie is, you know, that God, you know, isn't fully in control, or the lie in believing that God doesn't really love me, is not really there for me, you renounce that lie, and you receive the truth. And you ask the question, God, God what truth do you have for me? And it's probably going to be something that, that I love you, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I'm absolutely in control, so you don't have to be in control. I'm in control. And you live in that truth. The moment you go back to the lie, the moment you're going to fall back in bond, you've got to live by the truth of the word of God. And then third, you've got to stand firm in that truth. It's not enough just to renounce and to receive the truth and go on today. Everything's fine. I mean, you've got to fight for that truth, and you've got to live in that truth. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Again, he says this to Christians. 
Resist him standing firm in the faith. You've got to stand firm in the truth of the word of God. Almost always, 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 someone who has a demonic foothold is believing a lie. And not the truth of the word of God. And you've got to ask, God, what lie am I believing about you? Uh, what lie am I believing about your work in me? And then you reject it, and you receive the truth in the word of God. And number four, and this can be really important, is to receive prayer from others. I mean, if you have tried to do this on your own, you've tried to battle your sin on your own, and it just doesn't seem to be working, uh, get others around to help you with this. There is power in numbers, and we talked about that in a series in the spring. That it just seems the more people you have praying, there, just, there generally seems to be more power. And if you're really struggling with, with sin that you just can't get rid of, you're struggling with, with this overwhelming worry or fear or stuff, you've gone to the doctors and nothing seems to be helping, uh, email the office and you can sign up for a time with our Tradewinds prayer ministry and they will spend half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever just praying uh, for you. And some of the stuff and other things, they'll just to pray and, and Satan will flee. Again, we have power over, over the enemy. So I highly, highly encourage you to not just live in the naturalistic realm. Uh, I mean, every, I mean, if you're not feeling well, every week come up for prayer. I mean, Jesus had to pray for someone twice, and, and we're not Jesus. Sometimes we've got to pray for people more than twice before, before they're better, right? Uh, go to the doctor, but come to prayer. I mean, uh, I mean, do what you have to do, but also come to prayer because this is a real battle that we're facing. And I want to invite the worship team up, and maybe you can just play on your piano, on your piano for a bit here. But uh, maybe we can just work through this as we, just leave that up there, Naomi. That last slide there. Just take some time to uh, work, uh, to work through this. And the first question you want to ask yourself is, uh, is what lie are you believing? We serve a God who speaks. Uh, our God is not silent God. Uh, so close your eyes and just open up your heart to God and say, God, what lie am I believing? What lie am I believing about you? What lie am I believing about myself? Is there any area in my life that I have agreed with darkness? Let's turn to the Lord and ask that question. God, what lie am I believing about you? If you've heard God speak uh, something that you're believing that's not truth, an area that you've agreed with darkness, then you want to renounce uh, that lie. And so just in your own heart, you can say something like this, I renounce the lie of, and then just fill in the blank, I uh, break any agreement with darkness. Just pray that in your own prayer. Renounce the lie of. And then you want to ask God this question. To replace that lie, God, what truth do you want me to receive? God, what truth of your word, what truth of your being do you want me to receive?
And you want to take that truth and just in your heart, you want to pray a prayer of confirming that truth, of standing firm in that truth, of receiving that truth. You just say something, God, I receive your truth, that, and I stand firm in that truth. So, Father, whatever lie that we have rejected, whatever lie of Satan and demons and darkness, God, I pray you would cast those completely out of our mind. God, I pray that you would have no authority over us anymore. And God, we receive your truth. Whatever the word of truth was that you spoke to us, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would seal that truth into our minds. God, that we would take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, that we'd make no room for those lies. And if that lie begins to come back, God, we're going to take that thought captive, we're going to push it away, and we're going to live by the truth of your word. God, we want to stand firm because we know it's the truth. It's not the lies, it's the truth that sets us free. And God, when it comes to our lives, our, our rooms that fill our lives, all these little rooms in our houses, God, we push back the evil one if he has gotten a grip in any area. God, we open up every single door in our rooms to your spirit. God, we want to be completely surrendered. There's no fear in surrendering to your arms, God, because you are a God who is a God of love. You are a God, God, who says you're for us and not against us. It's only the lie of the enemy that, that makes us afraid of completely surrendering. And so, God, we surrender every room. God, every room where there's little nooks and crannies of darkness, God, we give them to you. We pray, God, for your forgiveness. We pray for your grace. We pray, God, that you would wash over them and that we'd live and stand in your truth. Let's stand together as we seal this through a few songs of worship.